Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I have the privilege of introducing to all of you best-selling author Dan Burry. All right, Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you've got to tell us all about you. Tell us about you, Dan. What's up? What's up? Before I jump in uh, to myself, I want to say thank you, one, for having me, and I, I told I know your listeners probably already know this, and I, I told you uh, the other day, but I, I love your energy and I love your excitement, Janet. Um, I, I mean that honestly. I, I, I found it very vitalizing uh, the other day when we talked, and, and I'm sure today will be the same thing, and I'm sure your listeners know that already as well. Yeah, they put up with me on the drive every morning, so my podcast is uh, – on the drive and they hear me like this at 6 30 in the morning so i think <laughs> and so in the afternoon they get me in the evenings they'll get me on a podcast so they know this is just me all the time that's why i'm so tired at night <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if it's putting up with you though i'm sure they love it uh, let's hope so <laughs> so so dan is a best-selling author now he has two books out i have them both and I'm telling you, before all of um, my 70, I'm going to read 70 books challenge this year, I wasn't a huge Kindle reader. Now I love my Kindle and I'm telling you, so you guys can see his is the top two right there. Because um, I highlight, I love the highlighter function. And I just want to let you know, I have highlighted so much in your book, I might as well have highlighted the whole thing, which teachers say that's not the purpose of highlighting. <laughs> <laughs> but well, um, so I, I, I'm glad you got that much out of it. I, I think part of the part of highlighting is also just to help commit things to memory. So hopefully, it's helping you remember stuff at least. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I've got tons. I've got tons highlighted. Um, but tell us about you, Dan. Let the audience know all about you. Oh, I don't know if there's anything that interesting about me. I uh, I'm a child of six. I have two children of my own. Um, I grew up in a, a large family. Uh, I am a practicing intellectual property attorney and write in my free time. Most people ask if I write about law or if I practice law that relates to my writing, and the, the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> I don't, they don't connect at all other than I guess uh, they're both a little bit creative for myself. So, um, But my, my day job is I have my own uh, intellectual property consulting business where I work with tech companies on their patent portfolios. Uh, but that's completely unrelated to, to writing. <laughs> I don't know. You said that you did. I saw on your blog that you did write nonfiction work, law pieces in the past. So I do believe that it does, you know, give you that strength of writing. It's because you connect with people in any business. You have to connect with people just like with the author business, you're connecting with readers. Yeah, that, that's true. So I, I've done a lot of nonfiction writing as well outside of uh, the books I've published. I've, I've done some legal writing. I've done some 
uh, business writing for blogs, both under my name and then uh, ghostwriting in the past. I haven't, in the past couple of years, I haven't done as much of that um, as frequently as I, I used to in the past. But I, I think you make a good point in there about connecting with people. I think the, uh, the goal of any business, of any writer, I mean, I think even in this podcast, uh, is yeah. to connect with, with the listeners. If, if you and I wanted to just talk, we could do that without being on uh, a podcast. And so giving your listeners something that's of value, giving uh, readers something that's of value to them, I think is always important to remember and come back to. So out of the nonfiction work that you have, and then your fiction, what's your favorite to write? Oh, favorite to write. Uh, I, I enjoy writing fiction. Uh, I, let me rephrase that. I enjoy the idea of writing fiction, <laughs> the process of writing fiction. But you do <laughs> I, it so well. Oh, it's, it, it's painstaking. It, it, it is not something where I sit down and, and the words flow out of my head in my fiction writing. Uh, it is, it is emotionally draining. It, I find myself exhausted by the end. Um, for some reason, my fiction writing is, uh, I, I try to have very real characters. Um, I, I actually have a, my first full length novel is finished. <gasps> ready to go. Ooh. It's, well, it's, it's, I have the notes from my, from my editor, uh, the second round of notes and there are some, some things that she's right. I need to do. And I have not touched it in a month. So, so I, I've been that exhausted after finishing it that I just decided I'm a shell book for a little bit until I have the, uh, the energy, the emotional energy and spiritual energy to get back into it. Well, you've got your 40 tips book. You just need to go back through and look at your tips. And I know. I should take my, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> get some music playing. Get that guitar out. You know, That's a go, good point. Go walk in your nature. Go take care of that. Barefoot in the grass. Y'all got to read it. Y'all got to read it. So I will tell you my opinion. You can tell me if I'm wrong. But the reason why you are so emotionally drained after writing your fiction is because you write such like tragic characters that you love and you feel for in a short amount of space because your collection it's you know you're you're in it but once you start meeting the characters you feel like you've known them it's the the short story pieces okay guys I'm telling you I read two of them I'm gonna give you all the titles uh, pieces like pottery, you got to go get. And I'll say the dominance of nurture is my favorite. Now that's my number one favorite out of collection. Um, and the second is the grave site. The first, uh, the fifth one. I like how you did that backwards numbering. The fifth. Yeah. I was like, okay, you talked about in your forty tips, be unique to you and do your own thing. That was your own thing. Um, but those are right now equally like compelling, like both stories. If I would have just read them out, I would have felt your writing style throughout both of those. I could feel that it was very true to the first to the second. I knew that it was you. So you had your author stamp in there, which I think might be a little challenging for people who write short stories but you had that voice in there. And I just wanted to go through my phone and, and have conversations with the mom 
in the grave <laughs> and like I, I just wanted to, to comfort people I was like okay I'm actually having feelings about these characters and I'm cheering for this little boy and I'm like do you want me to go beat up bullies and I'm like all of this <laughs> it's like in that short amount of time that's probably why you have maybe such an emotional ah, at the end because the pieces that you write are so emotion-driven. The characters are so strong in that way. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that that, that yeah. came through to you, Jenna. I, I think um, the I, I find people interesting uh, in everyday life. Actually, there was a there's a quote I love from Mother Teresa where I, I don't know the exact quote, but she said. Um, she's never gone into a conversation and walked away from it without learning something. And I, I am nowhere close to that. I've walked out of plenty of conversations and thought, well, that was pointless. I didn't learn anything. But <laughs> I, I always, from a very young age, I found that fascinating. I found um, if, that, if she could really do that, it meant that she had uh, an ability uh, to empathize and to really connect with people on their level. And, and uh, I think that that's always really stuck with me there. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone's story is interesting and figuring out how uh, to tell that I think is interesting. I also, uh, when I was writing this, um, there, there's some themes in there from the sorrowful mysteries um, in the Catholic tradi tradition, but they, the, the overarching uh, theme of, of the book is really that we all have uh, our own sorrows, our own tragedies, our own uh, things we struggle with. I, I remember um, when I when I started writing it, I was thinking back on a time where uh, something had happened in my young adult life, and uh, it just felt like the world had collapsed on me. And I was walking around, and everything else was, it was a sunny day, everything else was fine, but for weeks there was just this, this gray. And I, I remember thinking, how many people have I passed in the office or on the street where that's how they feel? That's what they're going through. And I, I never realized it. I never noticed. Um, so that was the state I put myself in going into writing the book. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was very emotionally draining to, to try yeah. to put myself in the state of each character uh, amidst whether it's a life tragedy or uh, a very difficult life, life situation. Um, so yeah but I see the heart of the book human relationship yeah and the interdependency of those relationships and so while I was reading it I got all of the emotion you know I got all of the the situation and I also said you know this is reflective of human nature these yeah. are these are natural responses. This wasn't something that was far-fetched that you would say outside of yourself. Like you captured the reality of life. And I think like you said, being a keen observer in conversation, and you even said that in your 40 tips, you said authors are observers more than anything more. And the best writers do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think, I think the, you uh, you had said, Jen, that we're all connected. I mean, I I, I believe wholeheartedly that there's there's a connection through it all, uh, whether whether that's a spiritual conne connection, whether that's a uh, physical connection through uh, cells and and energy. I think there is a very clear connection that 
um, we all have to each other. Uh, and to, to ignore that or to think that someone you're passing on the street you don't have any kind of connection to, I, I think it, it lessens the impact uh, that, that life can bring to you. I think, it, I think it also lessens the excitement that life can bring to you. So uh, I, I always strive to get to that point where uh, Mother Teresa was, that I'll walk away from every conversation learning something. Uh, I'm, I'm far from it, and, and no one, no one uh, that knows me will ever uh, argue that I'm a saint of any kind, but uh, it's, it's a good, good thing to strive for. But the relationship that in the gravesite, the, the fifth, the story yeah. that you have first in the book, when he's, um, when the blog post, when he's writing blog post, it is about human interaction. It is about a stranger over in this country, I'm approaching this person completely different than I would somewhere else. Why is that? And then he starts yeah. rationalizing that connection and, you know, the what is love and all of these questions of a young adult. Like you, to in my, I work with kids all the time and I see, you know, I'm listening to the conversations of youth and I'm, I work in a high school and I feel like you really got that, okay, senior year, then going off and, and traveling and I'm going to do that. You got that young voice in there too. You got yeah, that discovery in there. So, so the way that um, you portrayed all of those characters it was just so like truly on point, like very well done. Well, thank you again. I appreciate that. I, I think there, there's another character in uh, one of the stories that's also uh, someone that's going through uh, their, their late 20s, but it's still uh, this, this time, what, what you're talking about, where your students are at. I think there's this age for, for young men and women where uh, there's this idealism that is... Yeah. Um, something to, to be appreciated uh, for, for society. I think there's also an excitement, um, just an unabashed excitement. And uh, at least my experience, sometimes that's hidden. Sometimes it's, it's hidden by bullying. Sometimes it's hidden by fear or um, not feeling accepted. But I, I think it's always there where um, the longer that's hidden, the longer it doesn't come out, um, then us as adults, as we become grown men and women, it just starts to disappear. Uh, and I think that there's there's something. No, oh, it's breaking up a little bit. It's breaking up. Dan, can let's see if this is gonna pop us back on. I hope it does. He is frozen in time. <laughs> Let us see. We're gonna. We'll be patient a second and see. If not, we'll. Dan, are you here? It is quiet. All quiet in the Western Front. Let's put a plug in on that book. If you've not read that book, <laughs> go out and read that. All right. Let's see. Can you hear me all right, Jen? Yes, I can hear you now. It I was am. I can hear you. Okay, so your picture just disappeared, but I could hear you. So let's see, the camera flicked to off. Uh, let's see. It's like I have on my management screen, I see where. There you go, you're back. 
Okay. You can see me? Yes. Okay. So we were we uh we were talking about in that age range of the twenties and then everything kind of just went bloop. Uh yeah, sorry. The, this uh I assume we can cut we can cut that out or Hey, let's go with it. Like we're not perfect, right? We can laugh about it. Uh, 40, the 40 tips, don't let anything right. stand in your way, including we'll, sketchy technology. <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with the poor internet connection we have. Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess I was saying that uh, I think there's something in youth that both an excitement and an idealism that we, uh, we tend to lose uh, as we move along in life and as we become older men and women. And um, for me, I, I'm always interested in trying to tap back into that, whether it's uh, from youth now or uh, my younger self trying to, to look back and try to find that excitement and idealism because there's, um, I think there's some lessons to be learned uh, from, from both grade school and middle school and high school kids. I think that the first story would work very well in classrooms, in junior and senior classrooms. Yeah, interesting. I think it would work very well as a short story piece, connecting it with, um, you know, larger works and letting yeah. students have that. Um, so I'm going to be pitching that one to teachers going, you guys need to get this book and you need to use it as a model text for the juniors and seniors because they could really have some really great in-depth discussions just from his blog post along. And then I'm thinking as a literacy coach, wait, and then the students, we're writing blogs now at my high school. Why aren't yeah. they kind of model this kind of diary entry? They can do that. And then somebody could take the role as the mom, the dad. I'm thinking of all kinds of lesson plans. I'm definitely going to talk to the teachers when I actually uh, get finished with doing all my test proctoring and I'm back at school and i'm going to say hey you got to get pieces like pottery you got to get yeah, it that, i would i would love if there were uh, schools that taught it I, I interesting that you mentioned it there was a one of the blog posts in there um was actually in in 40 tips i, I one of the chapters is save your writing uh, and i yeah. mentioned that, that there are times when i came back and found stuff i was stuck on this story and i couldn't figure out a way um with the blog post to sort of tie uh, both thematically what I was trying to do and uh, the timeline of the story uh, to bring it to the next stage and unrelated I was looking at some old stuff and and my my wife had actually put a box of my old things and was basically saying look this has been around the house for long enough which of this stuff do you want to keep which can we get rid of and so I was looking through which things I wanted to keep it was all stuff from 20-30 years ago and there was a old uh, thing I had prepared for one of my high school humanities classes and in that it was it was almost perfect for what I wanted to try to do so I, I mean I updated it I brought it brought it more into the story but the whole idea of it was exactly what I was looking for and I just couldn't find and then it just fell in my lap so to speak so uh, I save save your writing to the to the writers that are listening I think it's sometimes you think what will I ever use this for but I think uh, in today's age, most stuff is done on computer files anyway, so it doesn't take up any space really at all. 
Right. Save it on Google Docs in case you're in, on your hard drives. Put a document yeah. folder and save it. And so there's where the young voice comes from that you hit so accurately. It was actually stuff from your high school that you <laughs> so piece. You can actually, part of it was, yeah. You can yeah. say, oh, this is research. So now go thank your wife for that because she was <laughs> instrumental in helping you get the missing piece. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you and your wife did have a blog. I read about that that you guys had a, he said blog. Yeah, it's, it's still, the archives are still there. You can find it. If, uh, if anyone really wants to search that hard, you can find it. It's, uh, we, we did it for a while and it was, it was something that we just wanted to do. We would pick a topic, uh, whether it's uh, marriage fights or money or um, music, whatever it was, we just pick a topic every week or every other week. And then we would write, uh, it was he, he says she says but we'd write completely independently of each other but we wouldn't even tell each other what it, what we were writing until we had it finished and then we'd share it with each other and we'd talk about it and post it uh, it was we did it on a whim and it actually got far more traction than we had thought uh, we, we a lot of people she she's actually oddly enough a, a, a better writer as far as humor than I am she's far funnier than I am so a lot of people enjoyed her posts and uh, the the hilarity she brought to it. So, are y'all thinking of a collaboration of a nonfiction book in the future? Have y'all have y'all talked about that as a next step? We talked about uh, doing a, a podcast, actually, a, a marriage podcast, similar formatting but um, audio. It's we have we have a two year old and a five year old, and I've also started my own company. So uh, you have to pick and choose a little bit where you're investing your time. Um, but it's something that comes up from time to time when we're uh, sitting outside having a glass of wine on nice, nice summer days. We chat about it and whether, whether it's something yeah. we want to do. And if you're doing that, you can have the glass of wine. Y'all could be out on that nice summer day and recording yourself at the same time and getting it like <laughs> two bars of one stone right there. Exactly. Exactly. I like it. I'll be praying for y'all for that next step because I really do see podcasting as just a new medium where it's just taken off where so many people appreciate you know being able to have the audio version if they're on YouTube see the video um, I think that a lot of people are turning to podcasts today so I think that's yeah, good. I think you're right I think I've actually heard a lot on I had a lot of readers ask is, is your, are your books available on audible can can I get the audio and the same thing they just uh, either um, whether it's uh, people that wanted accessibility options uh, because reading was too difficult or people that commuting, whether it's walking commute or driving commute, they, they listen to, to books rather than read. So I actually got pieces like pottery uh, yeah. a couple months ago was up on audible and then 40 tips we're working on right now, uh, finalizing that for audio as well. But it's, it's really just readers had pushed it rather than any, any grand vision of my own. But how is that process? Is it difficult? Is that audible process? Are you yeah. ready? Did you do the voice? Did you contract a voice actor? I am not reading it. Anyone that's listening to this podcast <laughs> right now is probably thrilled that I'm not reading oh, it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody um, no. does the voiceovers. They're hiring the voice actors. Yeah, so there's a, there's a platform called ACX. Uh, yeah. it's, it's Amazon's platform and there's a lot of voiceover actors on there. You can say whether you want pay for hire and what the price is or whether you want 
to do uh, royalty sharing, um, which would be 50%. So my 40 tips I had put up there uh, about a month and a half ago, and I selected someone a couple weeks ago that uh, she's wonderful. I, I loved her voice. I loved her style. I, she somehow brought lightheartedness to it, but also some emotion to it. So I, I'm, I'm liking where it's going, but there, I ended up getting probably about a hundred uh, auditions. So I was, I was a little bit overwhelmed with the number of voices to be listening through. Um, so you put a sample up, you put uh, a page or two up of the sample, uh, try to decide on that strategically, which would um, help you sort of listen through each of the narrators and figure out which one makes sense. Uh, but listening through a hundred five minute samples was, it was a lot. It's not, it's not my forte. It's not my skill set. But when you heard the voice, you knew. Yeah. I, so I had it down to five. I knew one that I really liked. I actually had it down to five men and five women, which just happened to be that way as five of each voice style that I liked. And uh, someone here at the office, uh, she does voiceover work and I had her listen and she immediately was like, this is the one. And it was the one that I liked. So it, it, having that confirmation helped. Yeah, it's good. And there's something about the 40 tips too, surrounding yourself by other people. And even, you know, I will give yeah. the spoiler alert, even at the end of the book, you say, you know, you're not in this alone. You know, we're here to help you. Like asking people too, hey, what do you think of this? People would love to give those kind of, you know, opinions and offer support and help in that. So that's the thing about this author community. Ask away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's a, again, one of those, that's one that I always, I always have a hard time with. I, I don't know if it's, a, it's the fear of the writer or the, uh, unwillingness to, to really share something until it's completely finished. But it's, that's, that's one of those tips that, it's, uh, uh, that I strive to more than I, than I say, this is, this is the way it should be done because I think it's, it's difficult. Creativity is, uh, you're really being vulnerable. If you're going to do it good, you're going to show a part of yourself. If you're going to do it well, whether that's uh, creating business, whether it's art, whether that's writing, uh, and to do that, you really have to, lay yourself bare a little bit and say, this is, this is what I did. What do you think? And then not only that, but be willing for people to say, you know what? I don't, I don't think it's good enough. I, I see what you're trying to do. I don't. And I think that's the tough part of, of putting so much time and effort and being vulnerable. And then also being willing to hear people say, there's something here, but this isn't it. You're, you're not there. Or someone say, this isn't for me and to be comfortable and say, okay, I, I, I actually didn't write it for you as the audience. I wrote it for a different audience. And so that makes sense that it's not for you. Um, right. I like that mindset. <laughs> yeah. I like that mindset of it. Now there's something in your book too, the 40 tips. You talk about courage. Yeah. And courage and that, that you have to dare to build up your courage to be able to be vulnerable, to put yourself out there. And part, so I have yeah. like this four step process and I, I talk to the listeners all the time. You have to research, you have to connect with the Holy Spirit, you have to contact people, you have to be involved with people, and then yeah. you have to have the courage to do it all. And so yeah. my, my last one is really what you could start with, either one, you have to have the courage to do that. Yeah. And you, like so many things, your 40 tips are so many things that I have tried to encourage and coach other writers through 
for the past year in the podcast. Like yeah. you've got, you've got uh, an author podcast going right there with the 40 tips. Everybody that listens to the show now needs to go get the 40 tips because it talks about that courage and the not giving up. And, you know, you can't have that fear of rejection. And you laid it out there. Like you told your personal stories. Yeah. The book. And that's what I value. I appreciate that. Like I yeah. like listening to that author story because if we all go on and say, this is easy and you've got to do your quote. If this was easy, if, you know, if we had no challenges, if everything just worked out perfectly, we got all five star reviews and everybody just threw us a party every time we walked in the room then we would be uh, unrealistically leading people astray into a ditch <laughs> because that is not yeah. the real world. That is not, I mean, it might happen to an author out there and congratulations to them. I'm very happy, <laughs> but we have these days and the 40 tips helps in those kind of days when we need encouragement, when we need to step back and maybe just kind of recollect and say, why am I doing this? Who am I writing this for? Yeah. So I really liked your point where you said, look, can you look at this? And then if they say, well, it doesn't really match with me. It has necessarily nothing to do with your writing at all. It's just, it's not for that reader. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think for any writers out there, if, if you're writing something and every single person likes it, it's probably not good. It just it can't be good if everyone likes it. It means that it's pretty boring. Uh, and so if, if you're going to do any, any kind of daring writing, if you're going to try to uh, push any kind of envelope, whatever that envelope is, not just for the sake of doing it, but to actually explore creative, creatively where this character is going to go or where this uh, non-fictional piece, this line of thinking, this essay is going to go, if you're going to explore that, you have to have people that aren't going to be comfortable that you're exploring. Mm -hmm. that you're, you're, it has to be that way. And so uh, I always tell, uh, tell other writers that um, you can tell a book's good. If you're looking at reviews, if everything's positive, then, then you should probably doubt it. If there's positive and negative reviews, uh, then you can start to tell that there's some people that have, that earnestly walked into it and thought, Oh no, what did I walk into? I don't like this at all and walked away. And that's, that's good. That should happen. Because emotion is attached to it either way. Yeah. There's yeah. some kind of emotional response, whether it's positive or negative, And then that has sparked the thought that has sparked the debate or the questions. Yeah. And like you say, it's, it's the style more than anything, I think, or the genre yeah. even there. Yeah, I mean, that's, hard, that's hard to do. So, so here I am, I have highlighted half of the book. Now the problem is when I was trying, because you talked about, you, you brought up, um, I wanted to get your quote right out of the book, but I don't need to. You're quoted right now, everything you say. But you, <laughs> but you were saying like, you know, if everything that we wrote was positive, yeah. then it would, or receive, was received in a positive light, then Maybe it wasn't as good as we thought it was. And I like that. I'm like, I love that. And I love when you said that you and your wife laughed when you got a particular letter. And we oh. all 
face rejection. We all face rejection, and there's yeah. there's ways that we can handle this as writers. And you and you said in there too, um, when you were talking about rejection, that that is just a part of the writing life. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely it is. It's it's uh, you have to be prepared for rejection. I, th I think even beyond writing life. Um, the the book itself, the forty grading tips, is intended. It's it's directed at writers, uh, but it's intended to have application well beyond that. Um, oh yeah, did you talk about practical tips? Yeah, it's, it's not just you talk yeah. about compassion. You talk about kindness. You talk about empathy. You talk about you know positive mindset you're talking positive psychology in that book by the way and that's what <laughs> that's what my whole dissertation was on and so while i'm reading oh, your, really? yeah so while i'm reading your book i'm like okay he he's got some positive psychology principles in here um, <laughs> and i think that's why i connected so much to the book yeah because you did it in a way that gets to the heart of how we need to treat other writers authors just and our neighbor just yeah. just people in general uh, strangers and and i love that you're like okay the, the kindness part where somebody would I, I really like the kindness piece yeah the uh the which I, I was gonna tell the story of of the rejection letter I, i'll do that uh, yeah but I no but what's the kindness piece I, i'm trying to i'm trying to recall which which part specifically because you can be kind to somebody even when they don't have something nice to say to you. Oh yeah, I, I remember the story that that you're referring to. There, there was I had received a, a review uh, of of my first book, Pieces Like Pottery, um, or my first published book, and someone had had basically said that they they wrote a review uh, and they had said that within the first five pages they stopped reading and it wasn't it wasn't any good and then they they extrapolated into me uh me as a person where i thought okay that's that's odd that you would take something that's written and say okay that that's who the author is uh which i think people do all the time i would yeah. i always find it odd if, if you read a piece of fiction and then decide oh that's that's what that author is like, where the author is just trying to embody a different character, um, write about a different character. But, but the, I, I had a choice, and it, it was really clear in front of me that I could, uh, this person contacted me directly after writing the review and, and was pretty upset. I'm still not sure why. Uh, this is years ago, but I, I had the choice of, of, being, of defending myself and, and slapping back, so to speak, clapping back, uh, or just saying, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Uh, and and I chose the latter probably for um, for reasons beyond myself, but it was actually much more freeing and rewarding than than uh, than, than clapping back because that that would have brought me nothing. It would have brought the other person nothing either. And then you said, "I hope you're reading something good or something like that." Like like one of the responses was when, yeah. when you went back. The kind way to say it, well, I hope you're reading something really good right now. And I'm like, that's the way to be. Like. That's how we should strive to be. So there's that Mother Teresa, uh, as we should strive to be. But you got to go back and tell yeah. us. Well, there's with, no value. With you and your wife, with y'all laughing, oh, I, you could have taken that a different way too. And there again, a positive mindset, and it's all how you look at it and how you process the information. 
oh no, I think we went kind of silent again. So guys, while we're waiting on Dan to come back, we can make like this is, oh. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Hey Dan, are you here? I am. Can you hear me? Yay. Okay. It says it's still recording. I have not ended this meeting. I was saying while we were waiting on you to come back, I was going to say, guys, y'all got to get this book. <laughs> well, I, I apologize to the technical difficulties we're uh -huh. having. I'm not sure what's going on with the internet here. Hey, um, might as well just, like I said, laugh about that too. Go ahead. <laughs> I, so, so the, uh, the uh, there, the story I think is interesting for a couple points for for writers. When I was first starting out, deciding, all right, I, I want to publish. Beyond, um, I, I had done some small publishing. I had done a lot of online publishing for different um, different blogs. I had my own blogs. I had other uh, other areas um, where I was writing, and I wanted to. I, I had this vision of this book of short stories that were all linked and. Um, and I had been writing it for a while and finally decided, all right, it was time. I actually, my wife had pushed me and said, look, it's time for you to let this go. It's time, yeah. time for other people to decide whether it's any good or not, not for you to keep tinkering with it. And so, um, I, I didn't know how to even start publishing. Uh, and, and I know that's a very familiar, uh, experience for writers, especially as they're first starting out. And so I went, uh, I, I originally thought I, I want to be traditional traditionally published and that's um, where I'm going to go. I'm going to try to get one of the, the five big publishers to, to put my book out there and quickly found out that uh, no one wants to publish a book of short stories. No one wants to publish a book of short stories that has a uh, religious thematic uh, bent to it um, and just had no traction and no one wanted to publish uh, anything from someone that hadn't had uh, publications in literary ma magazines. So I thought, all right, well, I'll get, I'll get some, I'll get some publications in literary magazines. I've been published a lot of other places. So I started submitting, uh, and I submitted to over a hundred different magazines. I mean, and, and after you get through the first 20, 30 magazines, you're, you're starting to get down. Print magazines aren't that common anymore right. <laughs> to get to a hundred of them. You're, you're getting down to the dregs. Uh, and, um, I, I finally had reached out to uh, a school where my father had, has been teaching for 40 some years. They had published some of my photography work years ago. Uh, and I thought, all right, this is, uh, this, they'll publish me. This will be step one. And then I, and I got a, a rejection <laughs> letter back from a sophomore in college. And it was just, he was trying to be funny and it was, it was, uh -huh. it, it was really just sort of asinine. And it, I just looked at it and I thought, what, what am I doing here? Uh, and at the end of the day, my wife and I had to laugh about it because it was such a ridiculous letter. And it was, it, it was really that like last straw letter of should I really be doing this? Is, am I just chasing something that uh, is pointless? And, and what it did for me was two different things. And, and where I think the, the story is really valuable one, it uh, it made me realize why why I wanted to write, why I wanted to keep writing. That this wasn't about uh, trying to get a ton of readers. This wasn't about trying to sell a bunch of books and make money. That'd be great. We'd all love that. We'd all love to have lots of readers. Um, but I think there has to be a deeper uh, reason, a deeper core uh, for why you're writing uh, or doing any kind of creative endeavor because. 
uh, you start to lose it. Even if you do start making money, you start to lose why you were doing it in the first place anyway. Um, the, the second reason I, I realized that I, for some reason I had this idea of, all right, this is how it has to happen. And I was getting all these messages. I was getting all these uh, introductions to people that I thought, oh no, that's not, that's not right. That's, that's not the path because I need to be traditionally published. And I was missing all of these introductions that could have been valuable conversations with people that I wasn't uh, really considering. Um, and, and it was a good lesson, I think, uh, not just as a writer, but across the board that sometimes um, we get so stuck in thinking, well, this is the way my life has to be, or this is the way my career has to be, or this is the way my day has to be. And we misunderstand that there are other opportunities that are presented to us that are probably far more valuable than, than what we were going to do that day anyway. And you said that you did not regret any of it. No, no, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy being an right. indie author. It's not, it's not like things come simply. It's not like uh, readers were ever knocking down my door to say, uh, well, we, well, we need to get this book into bookstores. So it, it, I, I don't want to put any false pretense, pretenses out there. But at the same time, my second book, 40 Tips on Created Writing, would not have happened if readers didn't say, I want this book. I've read your stuff on your blog that you have for indie writers. I want to see this book happen. And um, it actually, there's, there's a woman in uh, Ireland that reached out, took two of my things that I had written on, uh, on my blog for indie writers and had basically repackaged it and said, look, I, I do a calendar for writers. I want your stuff to be in there. Here's, here's what it looks like. And I read it and I thought, huh, this is, this is really good. This is, I wrote this, this is me. And, and it really was the, the, the last push of, okay, if, if I'm reading this now from a different eyes with someone editing my words and organizing it, it, it put me in a place of um, really, I guess I was, I was pushed uh, or pulled, so to speak, rather than the, the second book was really a, a passion project for me from that that standpoint so yeah but I, I haven't I haven't regretted it at all uh, I'm not quitting my day job I'm still will have a day job uh, but at the same time I, I've loved every second of it it's given me lots of opportunities to meet people that I, I never would have if, uh, if I went any other route with it. and that's what happened with me when I opened myself up with the podcast now I remember you saying seven years for pieces like pottery like you worked on that for like seven yeah. years and so I've held my work yeah. for a very long time. And, you know, we all talk about the fear that, you know, whatever all of those reasons are, the timing wasn't right or the, the just the whole, I hate to say the, the ignorance of the whole process and you're just not knowing. And so then you're intimidated. So like whatever, you know, is holding people back, I say no more. Like we yeah. got to tell writers no more. Let's, let's do what we can today. Let's write every day and we can edit it later, but write every single day. And those are some of the tips that you give people. Even when you get, I love what you say about writer's block. You know, I'll get people, they'll email, email me. What do I do? What do I do? You give a lot of those same kind of tips. And you know, if you didn't have writer's block, you say that too. Same way with rejection. It's just a part of the process. And it's just finding ways to continue to motivate yourself, but then having writers around you 
or other people that do see that value in your work. So like the lady from Ireland with the calendar, I look at her like as a catalyst for you to say, you know what, I need to keep going forward this. I do have something valuable to say because you do. You have a great message for authors out there, regardless if they're new authors, if they're published authors like me, we all get through these times where the tips remind us, they, ref they help us to reflect. And then if we haven't tried one of the tips, we go, oh yeah, maybe I need to try that avenue. Maybe I do need to go and, and spend a little time here and um, walking in the grass. And you know, yeah. tell me about your music. How does your music play into all of this do you write lyrics do you write songs uh once upon a time i i did uh actually one of the the short stories in the middle has a, a song i had written in it uh obviously it's not um sung or anything but it i, I when i was younger i uh would would play in coffee shops and bars locally nothing nothing interesting or uh, really that exciting, but it was, uh, it was a, a young passion of mine. I still love, I love music. I love, uh, I think there's a good art, uh, can transport you sort of from, uh, from wherever you're at and not, a, not as an escape, but as a, um, lift, uh, uplifting sort of bringing you, uh, above where, where you're currently at. And I think music has an especially, uh, valuable way of doing that. Um, I think it really can uh, bring people, there's just something about the, the audio, and I, and I talk about a little bit in 40 Tips, some of the research that, that shows how um, music can, can break. Yeah, we're breaking up. I know where he's going with uh, mode in order to, whether it's right or, or work out again. Yeah, it's a little, ah. so tell us. Tell us, like, if you had to have a theme song for your life, what would your theme song be? Oh, you can't ask this question. This is tough. I know, because we like music, so that means we have a thousand theme songs. <laughs> I think the, uh, you know the Whistle Stop song from the Disney Robin Hood? I know, you know the song I'm talking about? I know the Disney Robin Hood, but I need to now the whistle stop song. So there you go, guys. Yeah, the uh, roosters. Yes. Okay. Love it. So that's your theme song for your life. I, I think if, if by theme song you mean if, if I walked uh, down the street and there was a song that was playing behind me like I was a cartoon yeah. uh, yeah. or in some movie that that would be the song I would want to be following me down the street <laughs> yeah I'm a UFC fan so I say what would be my theme song as I'm walking in to go yeah. up again <laughs> oh, I like that what what is it what's yours mine is actually a Christian song and I would have never met this young girl she's a 13 year old Grammy nominated singer songwriter and she was on the show and I was going through her podcast, the, through the podcast, I was going and like researching and listening to all her music. And it's called Guide Me to Your Love. And so for some reason, because I used to have a Carrie Job theme song, I Am Not Alone by Carrie Job. And yeah. for some reason, when, she, when I heard that song, those lyrics like attached to my spirit 
and I still carry yeah. that song around with me. And when I was talking to her, I was like, your song is so good. She was like, yeah, I wrote it when I was seven. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote the theme song about like, what kind of story is that? So the, the um, heart of a child. Well, now, now I feel like my, my uh, answer is, is so, <laughs> so basic. You have No, it's not. It's actually <laughs> really good. I actually <laughs> like it. The Whistle Stop song. So tell us about your new book. Can you give us any kind of drops on what you got going on now with the new book? Yeah, the, uh, the there's a story in pieces like pottery called uh, Expect Dragons. Um, and when I was writing that story for the um, that short story, it, it became very clear to me in the process that it wasn't a short story. It, it There was more there. Um, it's about a... Uh, a, a young man who's going to visit, he's driving across the country to visit his old teacher um, who's passing away. Uh, he got news that his teacher was sick. He's going to see him. And as he's driving, he's remembering stories of the teacher and then his own father, who was not a very good father. Um, and it became clear to me that these, there was more to the story. And I wanted to figure out what that was. I wanted to understand why uh, this young man's father was not a good father. I wanted to understand why the, the teacher was uh, a good man and why he was so instrumental to that to that young man in his life. And so um, that that's what the book is. Um, oh. it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's heavily has music again. Um, the, the young man in the book is a musician, uh, a struggling musician, and it's it takes that short story and I've um, sort of blown it into a 60, 70,000 word, word book. Is it going to be a YA? There's, there's, um, I'm, I'm always terrible at, at placement. I feel like that's, that's my, uh, my downfall as a indie author is I'm, I'm so bad at saying, okay, I could, this is, it fits in this genre, it fits in that genre. Um, I did the same thing with pieces like pottery where people that are looking for a religious book think, well, this isn't religious. And then people that are, aren't looking for it think, well, this is, this is sort of religious. And I think, ah, I don't know. It's, it, it is what it is, I guess. Right. It's, I'm not trying to fit a genre. So, um, I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, Jen. I, I'm, I'm bad at, at that place. I need a, a smarter marketing person to decide ah. where it should fit. <laughs> but I hear your music is going to show up. And so I was on Twitter and, and you talk about being on social media too for authors, but you don't have to live there, but you yeah. need to be present there, but don't let it distract you because you are a writer and you need to be writing. Like you say it straight up in the 40 tips, pretty much yeah. that. Um, but I was on Twitter one night and somebody said, um, what have you noticed is a common thing through everything you write? And I, I was like, oh, I don't know. And, and so I actually started reflecting on all of the books. I'm going, oh, music is in every single one. My, yeah. my homeless family, they're all singers. Um, and they, they sing in the choir at church, but they also have a young star in the family. Um, Every single book, yeah. the Hartwell Chronicles, my Exorcist series that's coming out, singers. Yeah. She carries around a songbook with her wherever she goes. He plays the guitar and he's finally trying to find the right time to sing the song to her. I mean, yeah. 
every single book, it's music. I have a trilogy. It's based around theater. It's about a musical family. And oh, wow. it's like Phantom of the Opera. And here we go, music again. So That's amazing. Yeah, I, I think what it is, is, is even though you say we write what we know sometimes, but we also have these inerrant loves that just hold on to us, that just have to come out. And yeah. I told my husband the other day, we were talking about the music piece because he's he's now a beta reader for me. So my husband is reading <laughs> all about my demons and the exorcist and everything. And <laughs> Did I get the male point of view right? Read it, read it. And um, and he's like, there's that music again, Jennifer. I'm like, I can't help it. I, I just want to hang it up. Just just keep reading. Keep reading. <laughs> it's a, it's uh that's impressive that you were able to sort of walk through and figure out that there was that that thread throughout all of it. I, I think it's. Shouldn't I have known that though? I mean, really, <laughs> a Twitter post for me to say, "Oh, <laughs> every month." I mean, I think, I think, uh, yeah, social media has has there there can be some mon mundaneness to it, but there's value. Yes. Uh, so there, there's one of the pieces of value you found from it. <laughs> I did. And you said that you live more on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so uh, I don't do much Facebook at all anymore. I'm, I've actually, oddly enough, God forbid, think about deleting my Facebook ah. account. I know that's sacrilegious. I just, no, I never go on. Like that. My, my husband does not have any social media. He, he just is like, no, don't have time for it, not doing that. But as authors, we need some type of way to connect with readers. So I try to be yeah. present, but, but I liked your, you know, keeping it real balanced type discussion about the social yeah, media. So Twitter's where, Twitter's where my main author outlet is. But I, I made a decision, uh, I, I'm going to... Uh, invest in in it but i'm not going to if i don't want to do it i'm not going to be doing it every day um that that's not my intent for writing and so uh i, I think that freed me up to really do twitter the way i wanted to rather than right. feeling pressured to oh i gotta post something today i haven't posted something or i haven't posted in the last two days and are you guys pressure i think of yeah yeah yeah, and you'll read these blog posts, they'll say, schedule here, look at your peak times, and all of that. And my son is 16, and he pretty much nailed it. He said, Mama, Stephen King did not have all of this. He just wrote a good story. Yeah. He was like, Mama, if you write a good story, it'll all work out. Just focus yeah. on the story. And so my son threw up Stephen King. I'm like, there you go, buddy. And it just hit that, yeah, we do try to, to have that presence, but we also have to spend time on the writing. We got to make sure it's a good story. Yeah, it's, it's a balance. I think it's interesting you, that your son brought up Stephen King because I think he's, he's a good example from both sides because he, he is on social media now and he's publicly said that he saw that this was shifting and he, he yeah. saw that he had to be on, he had to be more present as an author because that's, that's the way it is now before he could not say anything about himself and people wouldn't care. They just wanted the book and now he has to, um, but to do, to worry about that more than uh, the writing, I'm sure you could, you can, uh, make money off of it. I'm sure people have, 
doing it that way, just focusing on the social media and creating an audience and not really worrying about the writing that much. Uh, I don't find it interesting. I think that's, it, it becomes sort of a, a shallow grave for lack of a better yeah. uh, way to put it where you, you just don't get a ton of value out of it from my right. standpoint at least. So if you could think of the best tips, do you have any kind of tip you would like to share with the audience like for indie publishing? Do you have any words of wisdom since you've went through two about to head into the third? Yeah, I, um, there, there are two tips that I always share. I, I mentioned them in, in the book as well, hidden in there in 40 tips. But uh, uh, when I first published pieces like Pottery, I got asked that a lot. And uh, so I, I actually thought, what, what were sort of the, the moments in trying to get published where uh, I realized I, I had a takeaway that was really profound for me? And, and there were, were two moments um, that I could recall. One, uh, I remember listening to a podcast with Elizabeth Gilbert. This was probably 10 years ago now. Um, so when, right when podcasts were really starting to get, gain traction, uh, any kind of traction at all, and Elizabeth Gilbert's author of Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, yeah. She has a number of, of books out there. Um, but she had talked about her writing muse is what she called it. And she was trying to write Eat, Pray, Love originally and, and kept having her own self-doubt. So why would anyone care about this? Why does anyone care about your story? What's important here? And she said she shot up awake in the middle of the night one, one night and this, this is my words, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the whole story I heard from a decade ago, but uh, <laughs> she said that she, she shot up and she just heard this message loud and clear of, if you're not gonna tell this story, someone else will. I'm, I'm, I'm done with you if you're not going to tell the story, I'm gonna find someone else that's gonna tell it. It's not your story. This is a story for the world, it just happened that you were a part of it. And, and she said it was so freeing to not feel like she was it was her voice anymore. And she was trying to say, Hey, listen to me. I got something to say. Uh, and, and for me, that was, that was really powerful um, to, to sort of take a step back and say, look, this isn't, this isn't your story. This is a story that uh, you might be telling, but you're, you're simply a conduit uh, for the story to provide to readers to, this is really a story for whoever reads it. Um, so that, that was one. The, the second one, I don't know if you've uh, ever heard of or listened to the, the podcast, uh, This American Life. No. It's a, it's a big, uh, they do a lot. They do like three stories. Anyway, um, they, they, they'll find like three stories and tie a theme, but the, the producer of it and the creator of it, uh, Ira, Ira Glass, I heard him talk once and he talked about um, there's – Everyone, when they're starting out on any creative task, but especially writing, they have this vision in their head, and then they put it on paper, and it's terrible. And it's nothing like what's in their head, and then they get so frustrated. And he said the, the problem is that um, you have to show up and show up and write and write and write and write until it can get even close to what your vision is. And the, to think that without doing that, that all of a sudden you'll write and it'll be exactly what you envisioned it to be is just not going to happen. Uh, that it's going to take writing over and over and a lot of work to, to get your ambitions, um, to get your writing to a place where your ambitions are. Uh, and, and I think that that was another thing 
that was really sort of pivotal for me of, um, yeah, it, it sucks. I just, what I wrote is terrible. I don't like it. Um, keep writing, keep working on it. Keep, keep writing more. Um, so yeah, I'd say for, for, I still go back to it and I wouldn't call myself a young writer in the least anymore, but for young writers, um, and, uh, people that have been writing a long time, I, I, I always share, <coughs> excuse me, those two thoughts, the, um, idea that this isn't for you. It's not your story. Uh, you're writing it for someone else and, and you just happen to be the voice and, and the idea that, uh, it's not going to be good, uh, until you keep writing over and over and over and over again. And I so agree with you. My husband and I, on the way to church Sunday, I was explaining to him about the beta reader process because this is his first opportunity to kind of have this journey with me. Because yeah. with my other book that's traditionally publishing in 2020, he didn't read it. He still has not read it. And so, <laughs> so that one, you know, it's out there. My publisher's got it. They're editing it. We're working through that. But this book, he knows how much I want to take control over my author business for this one. Yeah. And he knows, hey, I, w I really want to read this one. And he likes horror, too. So yeah. it matches with, like you say, the reader. I couldn't be yeah. upset that my husband didn't want to read Sweet Potato Jones. Yeah. Even though it's my husband. I, why wouldn't he want to read everything? No, that's just not his contemporary fiction, romance, not his thing. Yeah, However, yeah. When I said, okay, there's going to be this exorcist, there's going to be paranormal, you know, we've got all kinds of tech. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Let's read it. <laughs> you know what? We like to watch in, in our spare time. Um, but on the way, I told him, I want you to look at this like as a process. Like, here's a big old slab of marble. And all we're doing right now is just chipping away at it. Yeah. And we're just going to keep chipping away at it. And I said, and here we are sculpting this work. And I have no clue what it is going to be. Like, yeah. even right now, like, even on Sunday, I'm sitting in the middle of church. And I'm like, oh, I missed a whole scene. Like, a yeah. whole scene just flooded at me. And my deadline is June 1st to have this book completely ran through with my beta readers and my first rounds of edits. I'm like, I've got to get this scene in. And so I actually maybe don't know everything about it, just that we've got to keep chipping away at it. Yeah. And yeah. then let it be what I feel like the Lord is meant for this to be for my reader. So that's how I look at it, too. I told him that. And so now I think he's more free in giving me suggestions. Yeah. I think that freed him up of, you know, I'm, I can tell Jennifer, oh, I really like this, but I thought you were too preachy there and you need to fix it. And so I think by me having that conversation <laughs> with him like that about this is this the big old block of marble right now, help me chip away. Um, and he's, he likes yeah. to work with his hands too. So I think that that visual really helped him to say, oh, I can help her chip at this and I'm not going to, destroy her or her work i'm gonna hit we'll yeah. help make it better but that's, that's I, amazing that you have that that uh partner where you can actually oh yes. share that together oh yeah because at first he he signed up for my blog he was reading all my blogs and then that <laughs> just kind of went away yeah here i am writing you know parenting advice he is he is my other parent here um, <laughs> but, you know eventually all of that went away and i couldn't go around blaming him he's got his own interests yeah. he's got his own things that he enjoys and he doesn't read the things i read yeah so i have to respect that about him and now that the horror book is up and he's like oh yeah let's do this 
you know, now I know when I write horror, he can be a beta reader. But if I'm going to write, yeah. you know, my teenage romance musical, nah. Romance. Nah. Yeah. He, he's not going to read, <laughs> he's not going to read my Scottish romance for teenagers with Phantom. He's not doing it. I already know. I'm not even going to. And I wouldn't ask him now because I figured him out. Like, I, you know, I have figured yeah. it out. So I would love it if you would share with us your favorite Bible verse. So uh, I, I, I want to actually share two verses. I, I saw oh, that yeah. um, you wanted to ask this, and one of them is not a Bible verse. It's a, uh, it's a quote that I always, whenever people ask what my favorite quote was, I actually wasn't planning on sharing this, but then right when you asked it, I thought, oh, I should share it too. There's John Wooden was a basketball coach. He coached UCLA, one of the uh, greatest basketball coaches ever. And he had a quote that I always loved. I had it um, next to my bed when I was younger growing up, uh, when I was a little kid. Um, but his quote is, things turn out best for the people that make the best out of the way things turn out. And I always loved that. I thought it was really beautiful. I thought it was really simple. Um, and so the reason it popped into my head was, I think the, the Bible verse uh, that, I, that I always loved, it was in my father's office growing up. I always saw it. Um, so I, I think it, it's very similar uh, theme, although the, the, the words are entirely different. That's from Romans. Um, I actually have to look it up. I apologize to you that, that know oh, your, your Bible inside and out. And, uh, okay. He's in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces you losing me again? I'm losing. Okay, there you are. Now you can start okay. that over. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, we we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. I always love that one because my father growing up, uh, but I think I always thought growing up that it meant um, it's okay to suffer uh, because suffering produces this endurance and character. And, and I don't, I still love the quote and I don't think that's what it means anymore. Um, and the quotes stuck with me forever seeing it. I, I, I don't think it means that we're meant to suffer in the way that we all think uh, or a way that I always said we may, that, that we're meant to think to suffer. I think it means to grow. In order to grow, you have to face your fear. In order to grow, you have to do things that are hard. Um, and that's good. That's okay. Um, and that produces suffering. And then that suffering produces endurance and character. And through that character, there's hope. Uh, where I don't, I always thought, and, and maybe, maybe I'm the idiot and none of the listeners that know the verse think that, but I always thought of men like, oh, life gives you suffering and life is tough and it's difficult and and you have to suffer that's the way life is meant to be uh i, I don't think that's what it means anymore i think it means that uh suffering through growth is important and that's where hope comes from it's right. through the process i completely agree with you 100 percent on that and that the challenges that we face you know we can say i'm suffering but there is no hope or we can say, I'm suffering yeah, yeah, yeah. to endure because I know that the hope is there and that I will yeah. bear fruit and that I will overcome this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think yeah. that ties into 
also, so your two, your quote and your thing ties into your whole premise of your uh, website, of your blog. The, the nothing any good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for, for any of your listeners that are writers or, or not, I, I have a website. Um, it's, it's been a little bit under stagnation while I was uh, finishing my novel. Uh, but it's it for indie authors. The, the title itself is a nod to uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, who is from Minnesota, where I'm from originally, probably the greatest writer from Minnesota, uh, with apologies to Bob Dylan. Um, and the quote is, nothing any good isn't hard. Uh, I, I always love that. I, I think I love the, the kitschiness of the devil negative in it. I love the concept of it, that uh, if, it's, if it's actually worth doing, it, it's going to be hard. Uh, yeah. And... I, I like the, the idea that I think we, in our current culture, in our current society, we look for comfort far too often, as if comfort is some kind of uh, virtue to attain to. And I, um, I just, I don't know, the, the older I get, the, the more I think that comfort is, uh, is misleading. Um, it's a misconception of, of what it can bring and that uh, things aren't supposed be easy but things uh that doesn't mean that it's bad just because right. something's hard just because it takes work just because it takes some mental effort to do it doesn't mean that it's bad it's supposed to uh be hard if it's any if it's any good and you've just explained your bible verse again <laughs> yes yes <laughs> See? All they're all, all yes they all work together for good i'm telling you well dan i truly yeah. want to thank you so much one for having the courage to, and tell your wife, thank you for saying, okay, it's been seven years. You need to get pieces like pottery out. So, <laughs> so thank her because, <laughs> um, for that work. And I want to thank you for the 40 tips for creative writers too, because that is a book that needs to kind of be refreshed every year. So when authors buy it, it's not like it's a one-stop shop. We're going to read it and forget about it. No, every now and then we need to pick it up and say, oh, let's go through. What do I need to look at today? So that's yeah, what yeah. can keep coming back to. And I just, I want to wish you luck on your new story, your new novel, because that sounds amazing. So the, the, teacher in me, the teacher in me goes, okay, I know that we do make an impact. Yeah, I know that we do, and you're from a teacher family, so yes, yes, I am. <laughs> so I feel like that could come from maybe some of that. But I will say that when teachers um, read whatever that is that was in your mind, and you had to honor that story, I know it's yeah. a wonderful one. So, so I just I can't wait for that. So I have followed you on Amazon, so that means I'm going to get a ding that lets me know when your book is up there, but you got to keep us informed too on the podcast. Let us know every so often so I can give you uh, some praise on the show and just bring everybody back to, to let everybody know what Dan's doing. And when you're ready, you got to come back on the show and share that next uh, work. Well, don't, don't wait daily for that thing to happen at this point. <laughs> it's a no. work in progress. You had, you had said earlier, Jennifer, that, uh, uh, you had said something about uh, readers getting 40 tips and that uh, it's, you, you had alluded to, to something about talking about it. And I thought, oh, that'd be a good idea. We could, yeah. uh, if, you're, if your listeners got it and actually sent in questions or thoughts, you and I could get back together and actually yeah. talk about their comments on it. Uh, that, that could be a fun podcast that 
maybe we would enjoy it. I don't know if the listeners would enjoy it as much I, as we would. I think <laughs> they would. They would They would probably say, gosh, we got some hard challenges to do, but we, I think it's for the best. I think it would help them. So now, now I'm going to have to challenge everybody. Read the book. Email me at jenlowrywrites at gmail.com, and let's get this next podcast together, and we'll do like a question and answer and just get down to those 40. Like what was what is something that you need? You guys let us know. So. And like yeah, that'd be at the end of the book, Let me know if you, get, if you get a bunch of questions. I will. I truly will. All right. So, guys, I'd like to thanks again, Dan. And we want to challenge you today to go out and write something inspiring and share it with the world. So, thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day. Thanks, Dan. Tell your family I said hey. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. If you're looking for my challenge devotionals on Amazon, go right on over and type in Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry and you'll see my 30-day everyday mom challenge, my 30-day teacher challenge, fingerprint curriculum for my homeschool families, and one that's closest to my heart is the Happy Renewal Year challenge devotional. I dare you to go and check them out today. You can also find that they're on Kindle Unlimited because I want you guys to have access. I often put them up for free uh, promotional items. I'll do countdowns. Um, so that way you can grab one, you can gift them with a friend, you can share them out on your sites and people can go on this journey with us. In December of 2019, look out for the release of my author challenge devotional. I'm looking forward to that one and sharing it with you.